Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misik is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. Sports Radio FNZ back on a Wednesday morning. We just got a visit from the esteemed John Hancock of WBT fame. Retired last October, just stuck his head in the studio. It's good to see Hancock. Smoke, you you seem like you were uh, bewildered by the presence that is the celebrity of John Hancock. I mean, I've seen him here a couple times, but it's just kind of <laughs> weird. <laughs> you see him here now, and he's you know retired, so he's just... He just feels like a free spirit now. Yeah, he does, man. He does. He's uh, He poked his head in. He's still, he's still around once a week, but he came in to say hi, so we appreciate that. Hey, coming up in 20 minutes, we'll talk to Sean Salisbury, Sports Talk 790 in Houston, the Sean Salisbury Show, and, of course, a former NFL quarterback. He spent a decade as a pro quarterback, played his college ball at USC, the one out west, you know, Southern Cal. We'll talk to him about some college ball and the NFL coming up at 1120. I got a couple of things that I want to get into, but one thing that stuck out this morning and with the NBA playoffs, you know, raging on right now, which by the way, some great games yesterday, the, the, the trailblazers upsetting the Lakers in that eight, one matchup, the, uh, the bucks upset by the Orlando magic in game one of that series. I, we got to get to that stuff. But this morning, if you'll recall last year when the Toronto Raptors, won the NBA championship and beat the Golden State Warriors on the road to do it at Oracle Arena in what would become the final game at Oracle Arena. There was uh, an unfortunate incident on the floor. Uh, Masai Ujiri, who is the president of basketball operations for the Toronto Raptors, uh, was reportedly, now at the time, it was reported that there was an altercation between Masai Ujiri and a security officer who was uh, a full-time police officer in you know in his day job but worked security at Oracle Arena there was an altercation and that the police officer who was a security officer that night was alleging that Masai Ujiri attacked him you know shoved him hit him even uh, in trying to get to the floor and Masai Ujiri said well wait no no that didn't happen that way I was he's in a three-piece suit you know his credential wasn't around his neck but he pulled it out he showed it to the security officer and at that point Masai Ujiri said the police officer you know became aggressive with him so it was a he said versus he said type of thing well the police officer in this incident uh, or this incident went on to press charges filed suit against Masai Ujiri 
for attacking him on the floor as Ujiri was trying to get down to celebrate with his team. The Raptors beating the Warriors, obviously the pinnacle of this man's professional career. And and the fact that it was tainted in that way, regardless of who started it, was unfortunate. But especially if Ujiri had, you know, attacked the man, he might have been liable to pay a whole lot of money in a lawsuit. Well, as it turns out, as Ujiri was, you know, contending all along, as were those around him, he was telling the truth. The, the body cam footage from this officer was released, and it shows clearly the security slash police officer not only was the aggressor, but that he attacked Ujiri not once, but twice while he was trying to pull out his credentials and show it to the officer to get to the floor to be with his team to celebrate the NBA championship. I mean, th- this man's crowning achievement of, of his professional career was very much tainted by the actions of this police officer who attacked him. And the body cam footage shows clearly exactly what happened. As Ujiri's trying to get to the floor, the, the, the cop shoves him, and Ujiri grabs his his credential and holds it up and says, here, here, I'm, I'm, I'm the president of the Raptors. And then as he tries to step forward to show it to him, the cop shoves him violently again. And so this cop had the audacity to file suit against Ujiri for doing nothing. And of course, Ujiri uh, has filed a countersuit, a counterclaim, which after this body cam footage has been released, I would imagine he's going to win if it's not outright settled by the police department out there. It couldn't have been clearer on this video what happened. And if you want to see it, um, it's on my Twitter account, at Kyle Bailey Club. It's one of the top tweets. The video's right there. You can watch it. Masai Ujiri's legal team has released the body camera footage of that encounter with the sheriff's deputy as he tried to walk onto the court at Oracle Arena after the Raptors won the 2019 NBA Finals. So he has been uh, completely, it seems, exonerated for that. And I would imagine that police department is going to be on the hook you know, for a, a sizable amount of money if, in fact, his legal team follows through with this suit, which I have no reason to believe that they won't. All right, hit us up, 704-570-9610. Asa Abloy phone lines, building center text line. I mentioned the NBA playoffs last night. That Lakers-Blazers series was always going to be interesting. Always going to be interesting. And here's why. Anybody who's who watches the NBA knows that the Blazers were hampered by injuries throughout the season. And by the way, I've got some Hornets news to get to in a couple of minutes, but I want to touch on this because this was, we knew this could be a fascinating series in the first round. The Blazers were hampered by injuries throughout the season. And the fact that they were an eight seed and had to you know, come back to the seeding games and play their way into the Western Conference playoffs, you know, was not where they expected to be. So anybody paying attention to the league knew this, but the Lakers struggled on offense last night. And if you can't, as good as I think Portland can be when healthy, and I think showed last night how good they can be when they're healthy, it's not a great defensive team. And the Lakers struggled on offense last night. If you can't score on Portland, you're going to have a hard time scoring on just about anybody. The Blazers now absolutely have the Lakers' attention after taking game one in that series. Portland is better than an eighth seed in the West. If they're healthy, they'd be a four or five seed in the Western Conference. And that is what made that matchup so interesting. You know, people are going to make excuses today for the Lakers. And and it's already happening. People are going to make excuses for the Lakers. You know, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, just an off night. No, it's, it's not that. I think the Lakers are the better team here. But if you don't think this is going to be a series, and by the way, game two in this thing is going to decide, in my mind, who wins the series. I mean, it, and it's, it's not exactly rocket science falling down 2-0 is a terrible place to be. And statistically speaking, you're way behind the eight ball. 
way behind the eight ball. But the Blazers, people are going to make excuses for the Lakers, but the Blazers were the better all-around team last night. And if the Lakers don't shoot it better from beyond the three-point line especially, they are going to lose this series. Point blank, period. More than, than that, if Anthony Davis isn't the best player on the floor, it seems, every single night, they're going to lose this series. You know, King James, I know the, the, new, the, the new thing to call LeBron is what? Uh, hashtag washed king. That's the new thing we're calling LeBron James. He's washed. He's old. He's over the hill. I, we, we can debate that. He's still got the flashes. Right? He still shows the flashes. But Anthony Davis has to be the best player on the floor pretty much every night. If not, they're going to lose the series. Kyle Kuzma didn't play very well last night. It just felt like Portland was daring these guys to shoot at times during that game. And the Lakers did not knock down those shots. Uh, Dame Lillard, I guess a a conservative 34 points last night after watching him go off for 50-plus a couple of times in the last 7 to 10 days. He was incredible. But a, a, a casual 34 points in that win. LeBron, by the way, had a tremendous game. Triple-double, 23 points, 17 points, or 17 rebounds, 16 assists. I don't buy into the hashtag washed king stuff. All right? Uh, I don't buy into that at all. So I, I, I do believe LeBron James is still one of the two or three best players in the world. But Anthony Davis, remember I, I told you a couple of weeks ago that the Ringer had this great piece out, the thesis of which was the Clippers are built to beat LeBron James, but not Anthony Davis. That's what I mean when I say Anthony Davis needs to be arguably the best player on the floor each and every night because LeBron James is going to command that much attention. And Anthony Davis is still one of the three to five best, most talented players in the NBA, and he has to play like it. We knew when, when they, they traded for him and brought him over and gave up all that they gave up to get him, that it was going to be LeBron and Anthony Davis and then whatever they could piece together around him but that those two guys should probably be enough. That and the fact that they fought to keep Kyle Kuzma, fought to keep him out of that trade package because they felt like he was going to be a big part of their offense and their plans moving forward. So we had that happen last night. Game two is going to be fascinating, Lakers and Blazers. And then there's Milwaukee and Orlando. Milwaukee and Orlando. What was that? First of all, I think what we're finding, we're watching Steve Clifford and Kimball Walker win playoff games, which is great. If you're a Hornets fan, I mean, there's nothing painful about that at all. But the, the Magic go out and beat them, the Bucks yesterday, 122 to 110. They upset the, the Milwaukee Bucks. And what it boils down to here is that Milwaukee, as we probably still knew in the back of our minds, but they've been so good at times that maybe we forgot about it, they're still too reliant on the Greek freak. They're still entirely too reliant on Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now, you need to be able to rely on your superstar, but they're too reliant on Giannis and Tedekumpo. 31 points, 17 rebounds, 7 assists. But he was held without a field goal over the final 11 minutes and seemed to get more frustrated as the fourth quarter went on. That's why I've been saying for a couple of days now, and we talked to multiple NBA guys in the last week, he doesn't seem like he has the right temperament. Between the headbutt and getting into spats with other players, arguing with officials, he, we've never really seen this kind of thing from him before. It, it, the, the numbers are still there. But when you dig a little deeper, like I said, and, and if you watch the game, you knew this. Held without a field goal for basically the entirety of the fourth quarter. Giannis couldn't get a bucket in the final 11 minutes of that game. Nobody stepping up. I mean, let's be real. They opted to keep Chris Middleton as their second piece, their, their go-to guy after Giannis and Tedekupo, letting Malcolm Brogdon walk to Indiana. Brogdon wanted to be the number two guy on that team. So did Middleton. They kept Middleton and let Brogdon walk. Well, I think Middleton's a good ball player. I like him. 
But the gap between him and Giannis is way too big right now. Not consistently, you know, picking up the slack enough. If you get 31-17 and whatever the... What did Giannis have? 31-17 and seven assists? You get that from him against the Magic? You have to win that game. But instead, they fall 122-110. You know, we had a cha-ching Bailey Betts moment there. That was great. They hit the over. But that's that's not a good look, man. Really, really not a good look. All right, we got uh, we got whew, we got lit up lines. Let me get to Freddie Ray real quick before we step aside and get to Sean Salisbury. Freddie Ray, what's up? What's up, Kyle? How you, buddy? Uh, man, hey, I man, I'm great, man. I woke up today. You know me, man. Yes, sir. Uh, man, this 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 playoffs, man. Wow, like you know, I was I was really bummed out. You know, to be selfish, I was really bummed out when all of this Corona stuff started because I was really looking forward to the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Especially about that money. But like, <laughs> I was I was so like cautious about what to expect from this bubble experience because I don't I, ultimately I, my gut tell me that the gym rats are going to win out you know yeah. what I'm saying Agreed. I'm going to throw this in real quick uh, as far as the Milwaukee I mean not Milwaukee sorry the Portland LA series I don't think the Lakers are a better team than the Trailblazers man they may have better top 25 players but I don't think they're a better team but uh, overall I think what, what the playoffs are going to come down to is the gym rats are going to win out, man. I mean, you got some guys, you know, they need that crowd to feed off of to get them going. And then you got some guys who kind of shrink up because of that, man, because of the anxiety of the moment, you know. And once you once you break it down to just gym rats, just guys playing basketball, then we're going to see what's really what. And I'm going to take it out there, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, Freddie, right? Uh, to your point, and I said it a moment ago, it, it's, it's clear to me and everybody else watching this series that this isn't a true 1-8 matchup. It's just not. If the Blazers don't deal with the injuries they dealt with during the season, this is a four or five seed in the West. And we're not seeing this series in the opening round of the NBA playoffs. The Lakers are in trouble. They may still win it, but the Lakers are in trouble. In my mind, there's no question about that. These NBA playoffs, I think, are going to be a lot of fun. The seeding games were hit or miss. I saw some really good basketball. I saw some lackadaisical basketball. But I think the playoffs are, are more than more often than not going to deliver. And it started yesterday. We got to wait. No, two days ago. My mistake. We'll come back. More to get to Sean Salisbury. Ten years as a quarterback in the NFL. He dabbled in the CFL a bit, too. Played at USC. Now the Sean Salisbury Show on Sports Talk 790. He'll join us next. We'll talk some college ball and some NFL with him. You're in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. Radio FNZ. Live from Charlotte every weekday and now heard around the world on the radio.com app. It's the Mac Attack. This is Sports Radio FNZ. There's a great chance that we're going to play. Um, and even yesterday with uh, uh, not going to classrooms, that helps us uh, create a, a better seal around our, our program and a, and a better bubble. Uh, the NC, uh, the uh, NBA model's working. Uh, they've had uh, very few distractions, uh, and, and that's what we're trying to do. North Carolina head football coach Mac Brown right there. Zoom press. You know it's Zoom when it sounds like that. We're all doing Zoom press conferences these days. That's Mac Brown, who uh, coaches Chaz Surratt out at North Carolina. And I bring that up because 
We had some breaking news a couple of minutes back. His brother, Wake Forest star Sage Surratt, the record-setting high school basketball and football player from East Lincoln, Lincolnton High, has opted out. He will forego his senior season due to COVID-19 concerns and will not play for the Demon Deacons this fall if, in fact, the ACC proceeds with a season. So that is the breaking news. And quickly, before we get to Sean Salisbury, Smoke, you brought this up. You don't seem the least bit surprised by this at all. Uh, No, I mean, he's... First round, second round talent. At least with Chaz, he's got another year to probably prove himself that he's acclimated to a defense. But, yes, I mean, Sage, good Lord. Some of the stuff he did last year was amazing. Yeah, so there you go. Sage Surratt opting out of the 2019 season. He's one of uh, several we've seen do so here in the past couple of weeks. Something I know Sean Salisbury's been talking about on Sports Talk 790, the Sean Salisbury Show. He just wrapped up, and he's kind enough to join us on the Technicom Hotline. Sean, how you been, buddy? Uh oh, Sean, you with us? Yeah, I got you. You got me now. Yeah, we got you. How you been, friend? I'm doing great, brother. Great to be on with you, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I guess that's kind of an obvious and and natural place to start. You got three conferences, Power Five conferences, anyway, still trying to play football. We've seen some guys opt out already. Sage Surratt is the latest. Uh, I'd imagine, or I'm wondering, do do you think we see more of these guys following suit? Oh yeah, I I I don't think it's done uh, by any stretch of the imagination, and. You know, if we're talking high prospects, you know, draft prospects, I mean, the, I, I don't personally think, speaking of the college part of it, guys, we're, we're not going to have the spring football in a Power Five. I don't. How, how are we pulling that off? How are we pulling off I agree. Spring, spring football when, when the college, colleges tell us that, well, we care about the kids' health. And they keep telling us this in this, this uh, pandemic. Okay, so if you care about their health, uh, but we haven't, you know, what, what about – you know the the concussions and all the other injuries. We say, well, it's we can't have we can't even extend the the, the the four playoff teams because well, it's too much to ask of our college kids, right? Well, now they're talking about spring football and want to put twenty to twenty five games. If it goes like it did for LSU last year, that would be thirty games. They were fifteen and zero, so we're going to have twenty five to thirty games in one calendar year for kids that aren't getting paid or not scholarship, but we, you're going to preach this, you care about their health. Mm-hmm. And then I, look over, then I look over here like in the Southland Conference or the Maya, oh, maybe it's the Ohio Valley, where we care about it, but we're going to play. You can't play conference games because the pandemic knows about conference games and it attacks people who play conference games. But you can play three non-conference games, and that's cool because the pandemic doesn't know the difference. <laughs> so it's just crazy. So, yes, I get in college Sports, whether it's basketball or football, well, and I'm all, hey, if you're not feeling well, I get why they opt out just for health purposes, NFL-wise as well, or NBA or Major League Baseball. I get it. If my kids, if somebody came to me and asked well, what I would do, if my kids asked me, I'd say go play. If you're at SEC school, I'd say, go play. Um, there's enough stats that if you like it one way, you're going to hear what you want to hear eventually, and there's enough stats to say that you could play. So either way. So, no, it doesn't shock me, man. And if, if you're a guy like a Trevor Lawrence, you you did have to think long and hard about this, right? Yet he wants to play, and we know that. So, but none of them are playing come spring if you're an NFL prospect. So, it's 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 a, I, I get it, and I will never ever judge somebody for not opting, not not, not wanting to play. But I sure as hell know that I'm not going to judge somebody who wants to play because I personally think we can play. If we're going to school, we can play football. That's just my opinion. 
but I want people safe, and it's just a little common sense and respect. Well, Sean, you, your your perspective mirrors mine. If it's not safe, don't play. But there are lots of right. smart people saying, we can do this safely. And I said earlier, it's not as if these football players are being led into the stadium on a prison bus in shackles. They're telling you they want to play. And, you know, the ACC for especially saying, hey, we, we, we can manage this. We think it's doable. And if you want to opt out, do it. You know, they should remain yep. on scholarship and, and do what's right for them and their families. But, you know, this whole notion that what happened at Chapel Hill two days ago because they went back to remote learning, that now if you play football, well, this is just the uh, – is revealing these guys are essential employees and so on and so forth. Why does it have to be that? Why can't it be that both can exist at the same time, to your point? Uh, oh, I 100% agree. That's, that's what it threw out this whole thing. I've never understood the lack. Listen, I'm not a. If I want to play football, doesn't mean I want people to die. Right. And if I don't want to play football, doesn't mean I want businesses to close down. I've always said, and I know people's first answer is going to be, "Well, we don't have any common sense." Well, that that falls on the individual. As a North Carolina situation or schools like that, like Notre Dame going back to you know learning, non-class learning, not on-campus learning. Well, it it even creates more of a bubble for the football team. Because now they're not rubbing shoulders with a student that doesn't get tested every day. It, it, it even bodes more for they can play football because you can exist doing both. We don't have fans in the stands. There is testing. you got to have common sense and respect. The player has to take some accountability. There's absolutely no question about it. To say, listen, I'm not going to go to that, you know, where, where eight of my buddies are hanging out at a restaurant bar. And I mean, you've got to be smart. And I understand what they're doing in North Carolina, but... That doesn't mean you still can't play football because now, like we said, it's almost a bubble that's been created without having a bubble because, well, your players now aren't in class with the same students that are doing it online because they're learning online. And it's like business. Listen, if you feel sick for the people who are not feeling well that, that COVID's affected, I, I 100% get it. But we also got to feel for the common sense. If you don't want to go to a business, the local pizza place in North Carolina in Chapel Hill, then if you're not feeling well, you should probably do what I would do for my 81-year-old mother. Stay home. Keep her home. Don't be around. So the respect goes both ways, and I'm not going to judge either. I wish businesses weren't closing down, and I wish people weren't getting sick, and the pandemic has affected both. But you know what? I don't understand why the kids and the parents don't have any seat at the table, Kyle. I don't. I've never understood that. Listen, I know it's their risk, and there is a calculated risk in everything we do. But I tell you, Trevor Lawrence is not responsible for my mom's health. When Trevor Lawrence goes, I am, and my mom is, and making sure you're not around people that may be, and wearing a mask when told to. I'm all for that, and the protocol of, of, of being safe and social distancing, all those things that are respect for your mother, somebody's grandmother. But, uh, you know, the, the player who plays at the University of Texas, because he wants to go play, doesn't make him a bad guy that he's trying to kill somebody's grandmother in Rhode Island. He's not. And these kids are, well, they can go to war. They can, we're giving them the keys to the car at 16 years old. So we'd hope that, that, that they can be smart in some of their decisions, and some kids aren't, just like 50-year-olds or, or basketball players or a football player make stupid decisions on this sometimes. So I, I think there is a way to coexist. I would love it. But I can tell you this, that the parents, the fans, and the, the kids all deserve a seat at the table. It's not just somebody sitting in a suit that deserves a seat at the table or an expert that the doctors in the Pac-12 are telling me something different than the doctors in the Big Ten, or if you go to Ames, Iowa, you, you, you can play, <laughs> but if you're in Iowa, if you go to Iowa City, right down the interstate, you can't play because the pandemic knows the difference. Come on, man. There's got to be some common sense. That's why conspiracy theorists rear their head in something like this saying, is it really about the health or is it about the money and the politics that go with it? And I think both are very relevant in this. 
Sean Salisbury, Sports Talk 790, former NFL quarterback, USC alum. He's with us on the Technicom hotline. What What is the most interesting storyline in this year's NFL season to you beyond will they finish the season? Uh, I think the most amazing one is Alex Smith. Yeah. And him, honest, I, I, first of all, is there a guy you'd root for more, even before the injury, you know, being pushed out of San Francisco and then another number one pick who's pretty good and Patrick Mahomes, you have a great season, there's still no room for you. You go to Washington, you're in your mid-30s, and you have an injury that not only did you think you weren't going to play again other than him because of his great comeback story, there was talk you might lose your leg. And the guy has been cleared to play football. I, I just think it's, to me, he's, we should already give him comeback player of the year. And there's not a guy in the league who has never, he's never pointed a finger. He's never asked somebody to feel sorry for him. He just has competed not only when he was healthy, but even to get through this. I think it's a phenomenal story that, I pray he stays healthy, but this is one of the great comeback stories we'll ever see in football. I, I think there's a lot of them. I mean, when throwing it out there, I'm anxious to see how Teddy does with Matt. I am. And Teddy getting the, when, you know, finally got the, the keys to the car back to him. I'm anxious to see, and I, I believe, and when I say anxious, I think Brady, if I said the over under on Tom Brady in Tampa, 4,400 yards and 30 touchdowns, I'm taking the over. He had to babysit last year. He's got all these weapons. He hasn't had weapons like this in years. I actually think, and, and an aggressive coach in Bruce Arians, I think you're going to see Brady, and I think he, ironically, which is crazy, he still feels like he's got something to prove, and he'll be 43 soon here. So that one and the Cleveland Browns situation, with all this talent, what are we going to see? Mayfield, are they going to rear their head, or is it going to be the same old story in Cleveland? And there's all kinds of stuff. Can Mahomes continue to do this? I mean, Who's the next $40 million a year? Will Prescott get signed? All of them. But to me, the feel-good story is Alex Smith. And obviously the pandemic's going to be a story. But And no fans in the stands or some fans in the stands. But I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and think about it. They had a guy throw, you know, had put up big numbers last year but turned the ball over 30 times. You're not going to get that in Tampa. They become a real threat in the NFC South to the New Orleans Saints having Brady and Gronk back and with those weapons. I think that's a... A, a big time story to watch this year. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Teddy and, and Matt Rule because you know you and I could go all day on this, but I, I can't keep it too much yep. longer. I I love Matt Rule. I love the hire. He hasn't proven a damn thing yet in the NFL, Sean. I'm very aware of that, but I love the hire. What is your perspective on Matt Rule? Because some people love him, some people seem to be very very skeptical. Where are you? I well, I was fortunate being here in Houston and Matt at Baylor. You know, every day there was we, you could you get it up close and personal. Even though it's in Waco, but you know what I mean. We talk, Texas is a pretty decent football state. I, I'm a, I've been a Matt Rule fan for a while. I think he's an NFL coach that understands the college game. So he's really back where I, I kind of believe he belongs. He knows how to recruit and all that stuff, which is proven. But I think he'll have that same effect on free agents. I think that the kids will love playing for him. But I think there's a toughness about him with accountability that he puts on him. And to do what he did at Baylor after what they went through, to put accountability not only on himself but on the university and on the players and turn it around. They had no business winning like they did, honestly. God, they didn't. They, yeah. they, they did not. So I believe he can have an impact. Now, what you got to do is be patient. We're in such a instant gratification that if they go 4-12 and 12 this year, people are going to say, oh, he's no good. I'm with you. I lean on the side. If you'll let Matt Rule do his thing like they did at Temple and like they did at Baylor, then he'll turn around. you got to have players. I don't care if you're the best coach in the world. You don't have players, you don't. You're not winning. Give me an average coach with great players, they'll win. Give me a good coach with good players, then you're going to be in the playoffs with a chance in the tournament every year. So I'm a Matt Rule fan. I thought it was a great hire, and now we'll see how it turns out. And I'm going to tell you what now. You don't, Joe Brady, 
he got the right guy. He, he got the right guy calling plays. Now he's just got to fit it together. I like where they're headed. Now you just got to get the players in place. Matt Rule knows how to coach football. But key, he understands the room as well. They've got a guy who knows how to fix things. Matt Rule's really good football coach. Sean, i got about 30 seconds. Give me a quick take on Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I Efficient. Great learning experience watching after what he went through in Minnesota and to see Drew Brees operate. And then to have that success. I'm a big believer in the mental and the, 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 the confidence level. To have the success he had when Drew was out, is gonna, it's going to work wonders for him. Now he's got to realize he doesn't have quite the perimeter players that he had in New Orleans. He doesn't have to do it all himself. Get the ball to the guy behind you. He's pretty good, and I think he's going to be fine. But he does have the right coach. Follow Joe Brady's lead, Matt Rule. Teddy Bridgewater will have some success. Sean Salisbury, you're the man, buddy. You deserve a nap. We'll talk to you soon. I appreciate you, brother. Anytime. Thank you. There you go. Sean Salisbury, 790 Sports Talk. The Sean Salisbury Show, former NFL quarterback, USC alum, with us on the Technicom hotline. And I thought some really good takes right there. I love Sean. I mean, I we I always like talking to him. I didn't realize that we uh, aligned that much ideologically. That was fun. That was good. We'll come back. We'll react to that, of course. Who balled out? And I tell you all the time, I will gladly tell you when I was right about something. Because it's fun to be right. But I'll also be honest and tell you when I was wrong about something. And I was dead wrong about something this time about a year and a half ago. I'll tell you next. You're in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. Radio FNZ. Listen anywhere, anytime. Download the radio.com app today. It's the Mac Attack. This is Sports Radio FNZ. Kane is in the building. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Newton running. Newton gets to the corner. Let's see who balled out last night. Smoke is back. He's leading us off. What you got, buddy? Dame time. It's Dame time. It is Dame time. Damian Lillard, once again, a tremendous performance. 34 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds, and 1 block as he helped lead the charge for the Portland Trailblazers to beat the Lakers 100-93 in Game 1. Man. Dame's been good, man. You know, and I got to go LeBron James. Triple-double. 23-17-16. You know, it's easy to forget. It's like, you know, Coach K. Never winning the ACC Coach of the Year award, or at least not as often as he should, right? Because we've just become accustomed to the winning. That LeBron James, a triple double, 23, 17, and 16. Might not have been 40 points, the eye popping, uh, you know, points figures, but he was good again, man. The Lakers lost, but I got to throw him out there. And I also have to throw out uh, Kenta Maeda, who took a no hit bid into the ninth inning yesterday. He left the Dodgers last year, where he was a spot starter, bullpen arm, and a, and a decent one at that. But he ends up, you know, in Minnesota where it kind of becomes the ace up there. And he took a no-hit bid into the ninth inning. And who doesn't love watching no-hitters and a you know, perfect game attempt? It's like, you know, witnessing history. And that was exciting. Only to lose it, though, in the ninth inning. And, you know, that was a bit of a bummer. But Kenta Maeda still balled out. And that is who balled out here on the clubhouse. Man, we got uh, great conversations this, uh, I was going to say this afternoon, going into the afternoon. Sean Salisbury there in the previous segment he, he's, you know, I, I strive to be on a daily basis 
for all the things that I am and am not. I strive to be the most reasonable voice on the radio. That is my goal. Not to be polarizing, not to be hot takeish. I just want to be reasonable. You know, if you use use I-77, right, as a uh, as an analogy for our, our politics in this country. Most people are going up and down, northbound, southbound, in four lanes, going back and forth, doing their thing, moving, working, getting stuff done, right? Okay, the politicians, the cable news, the political pundits, they're parked on the, uh, the shoulders on either side, doing nothing but lobbing bombs over top of everybody else at one another. Most of us exist in this middle superhighway. You know, we're all pretty reasonable. And, I, and I, I think his take on college football was extremely reasonable. And I think mine is reasonable. If it's not safe, don't play. But you have a lot of smart people telling you it can be done safely. Okay, students are going to full remote learning. Oh, that, that means that these guys are essential employees. That pulls back the, the curtain on the sham that is amateurism. Well, didn't we kind of already know that? I mean, di- didn't we kind of already know that? And is it really, and I keep using this analogy because to me, it, are, these kids aren't being led into stadiums on prison buses and shackles and being forced to play. Most of them are telling you they're dying to play football. And if these universities and athletics departments can do what they're saying they can do, the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 anyway, and do it safely, and these guys want to play, let them play. And if things go sideways, shut it down. There's not, I, I have said time and again, everybody on this show, at least those that I interact with and work with, we all take this thing very seriously. You know, COVID's very serious. I've had personal loss because of COVID. So I take it seriously. Sean was all over it. Wear the mask, social distance, do the right things. Hell, Nick Saban is pleading with people in Alabama to do the right thing right now. But it doesn't mean you hide inside forever and stop living and stop doing things in life, especially if you can do them safely in the midst of all this. I believe that it can be done safely and especially with a de facto bubble on campus by taking these kids back to full-time remote learning. It doesn't mean that you are exploiting these kids who want to play football. Do I think that they should get a little more? Absolutely. Name, image, and likeness, that that, that prohibition should have been struck down decades ago. It just should have been. Absolutely. If you want to do what Spurrier says, triple the stipend, go for it. Might be a little bit difficult, you know, with all the the financial hits these schools are going to take. But, but hey, the money's there. I saw yesterday, I think it's uh, what Billy Lucci, who covers Texas A&M, has for a long time, runs an independent site out there covering Texas A&M football. He reported yesterday that uh, I think there's a limited capacity in Kyle Stadium this fall. I forget the exact percentage, but the rough estimate was that the the Texas A&M Athletics Department would still be losing or missing out on $50 million in revenue. They're going to take a a serious haircut over this. So, you know, finding extra money is going to be a little bit tougher, right? But there is a middle ground. There's always, let me say this, almost always a middle ground that can be found in any of these discussions. And that, to me, is the middle ground in this discussion. Because to suggest that hiding inside for the next six months and that sending all these young men home, that they'll be better off that way, is not true in a lot of, cir- a lot of circumstances and in a lot of situations. If the mission is to truly educate and to give opportunities, well, here's an opportunity to educate and to take care of the student-athletes if they want to be there. And if they want to opt out, take classes, and protect themselves and their families, then you let them do that, you keep them on scholarship, and you honor that because that's the right thing to do. Uh, Jerome has been waiting for a while. I know he wants in on this discussion. Jerome, I appreciate you, buddy. How are you? Hey, man. Uh, we were going back and forth on Twitter. So I thought I this was you, yeah. Um, so the question that you asked was, if they can do so safely, why not play? And it, the answer is twofold, and there's two aspects of this. I'll try and be quick. 
but it's everything that Mac Brown said about the, the bubble and that the NBA bubble works. Well, what's the difference between the NBA and college? Those guys are paid to take that risk to, and go into a bubble environment. So the question is, can universities justify putting athletes in a bubble environment on campus. Well, you know, let me, let me stop you there. You know they're being paid just the same salary they would have been paid had they played a normal season, right? They're not being paid specifically to play in a bubble. Right, but I'm saying they're being paid. Right. Right. So can't, but can, and college athletes are not. So can universities justify putting college athletes on campus solely so they can play their sport so the university can make money? The administration has to ask themselves, can they survive that PR backlash? That's what I'm I, but I think you're leaving something out here. You're acting as if there is no compensation and the student athletes getting nothing out of this. That, that's where you and I are going to fundamentally disagree because you are getting a free college education and, and more on top of that. Do I think that's enough? Jerome, you and I agree on that. No. You know, name, image, like them. They, they, I, I agree with you. They should get more. But we have to stop pretending like the players get nothing out of this because that's just simply not true. Well, hey, I'm not saying they're not getting nothing. I'm saying that the compensation they're getting is not equal to their value. Okay, that's, that's a debate we can have. What's the second point? Okay, second point is the players need to decide what they want. The We Are United players, and they had Bobani Jones talk about this on his podcast, they were demanding compensation, and they even talked about a work stoppage in order to get it. The We Want to Play players demanded universal protocols and a player, players association down the road. Those two things are very different. One group of players is saying, we're not going to play unless you pay us, and we're going to sit out work for doing so. One group is saying, we want to play, hey, just give us universal protocols. Those two things aren't the same, so the players need to go on the same page about what they want. I am with you, Jerome. I appreciate the phone call, man. I really do. Uh, I would like to see them get some of those things. No question. Full health coverage, extended scholarships. Those things are absolutely doable. I'd like to see them get those things, without question. Uh, but let, let me do this. Rick is next. Let me squeeze him in before we get out of here. Rick, what's going on, buddy? Hey, uh, Kyle. always enjoy listening to you. couple of questions. One, what is the average stipend that the um, the college athletes usually get? Do you have any idea? I, well, I don't know the average number. It ranges from – the stipend thing's interesting because it, in a lot of cases it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, you know, everything – in some ways you're getting more money to live in Tuscaloosa than you are in Atlanta. You know what I mean? Like Georgia Tech students aren't getting as much of a stipend as Alabama students right. are. So it was kind of problematic to begin with. But let's just call it a couple thousand dollars on average. Oh, okay. Um, the other thing is if – and I – I liked your comments this morning, but if you're saying it's safe for the football players, why isn't it safe for the fall cross-country team and the fall volleyball team and the fall baseball practice team uh, on campus? Oh, I'm not saying that it's not safe, Rick. If it's only football that's going to play, then that does lead one to think, well, yes, since they're the moneymaker, we're going to let them play, but we're not going to let the cross-country team participate we're not going to let the women's volleyball we're not going to let baseball do their usual fall practice on on college campuses it's a fair question no it really is it's a fair question rick i appreciate the phone call what i would say to that is you we, we can debate uh you know how broken the economic model of college athletics are all day long and it is a legitimate debate it's one it's a conversation i had with bubba cunningham a couple of months ago we can debate that all day long but as it stands the way things work right now college football pays for everything and, the, and these guys know that. And look, here's the deal. On top of, again, like I said a minute ago, they're not going to make money on this college football season. They're still going to lose boatloads of money because if at best you're getting 20% capacity in these stadiums, 
you will still be losing tens of millions of dollars. But without it at all, you know, with the make goods at the networks and, you know, an entirely lost season, you're going to lose the cross-country program. It goes away. We've already seen programs cut left and right because of projected lost revenues. If you don't make some money, those programs cease to exist potentially. So it's either you, you, do, you make the best of a bad situation by playing football and putting guys on the field that actually want to play. Again, you're not forcing anybody, but the guys who actually want to be out there and play. And you can't do the same for cross country because at some point you have to you know, mitigate the amount of money you're spending on testing and monitoring and everything else. The money's not limitless. I mean, it, it's not endless. So you have to make some tough decisions. But without football, without college football, and in some places college basketball, those programs don't survive the kind of storm that they're in right now. That's just the reality of college athletics. I, I hate to say it, but it is. All right, 704-570-9610. Asa Abloy phone lines, building center text line. Good stuff. I appreciate the uh, the calls and the engagement there. Coming up in 30 minutes, uh, Brian Jordan, former two-sports standout, Braves, Cardinals, spent 15 years in Major League Baseball, safety for the Atlanta Falcons. Now with Braves Live on Fox Sports South. He'll join us. Also, interestingly, found out this morning that uh, Brian Jordan is – doing some television for the Gwinnett Braves, uh, Atlanta's AAA team, down there outside of Atlanta. And he's doing it. Why I say it's interesting because he's part of a two-man broadcast crew, Smoke. It's he and Josh Carey. You recognize the last name? <laughs> Skip Carey, Chip Carey, Josh Carey. Yeah, they, they keep it in the family. So uh, he, he's doing some TV down there on the AAA side with Josh Carey. How many Careys are there now? Uh, limitless. I mean, they, they, they never end. They never, they never end. Oh, man. But, yeah, Brian Jordan's going to join us coming up here in about uh, 20, uh, 30 minutes. We got a lot to get to with him, a lot to get to with him. I got to get back to the NFL, too, because Smitty's coming up at 1 o'clock. Did you see the reporting coming out of uh, Foxborough yesterday? I got such a kick out of this. The headline this morning is, oh, Bill Belichick's considering a uh, quarterback by committee. You know, a two-man quarterback approach, if he needs to, if he has to do that. That's the headline they're running with. But apparently, if you watched Patriots practice yesterday, and I know, Cam's gone. We don't focus on Cam. You know, this is Panthers talk. But it, it is interesting. I see a tweet pop up yesterday from one of the guys up there at uh, 98.5, the Sports Hub. And the tweet, and I'm scrolling really quickly to find it, uh, it was Christopher Gasper. He said, I'm impressed by Cam Newton's ball placement. It's better than advertised. Did y'all sleep through 2018? Did anybody pay attention? Like this, this cracks me up, man. Like the, the people up there in New England yesterday, some of the beat writers, are like, man, this guy's uh, better than we were told he was. Ball placements better than we thought. Also, I'm getting a kick out of you know Cam being Cam at practice, bobbing his head to the music, dancing a little bit. Bill Belichick would never. I mean, the pearl clutching. He would never tolerate such a thing. He's embracing it. And of course, you know Cam's up there. He was nine of twelve passing yesterday, with two egregious drops. Was nearly perfect on the day passing, all while Jarrett Stidham threw three interceptions. Well, unfortunately, Cam threw an interception today to a six-rounder, so it's all over now. <laughs> Bill Belichick would never, he would never tolerate. God, I'm a, come on. I, it's it, the misinformation, the narratives, the things that people just run wild with. I had a guy yesterday on Twitter saying, well, the only reason he was any good in 2018 was because Christian McCaffrey. What are you talking about? Yeah, he's impressing up there in New England right now. It won't be a quarterback by committee. There's no way. All right, we'll come back. It is the lunch hour. we got a bunch to get to. I want to talk more about that, but also 
We get back to some breaking news out of college sports this morning, college football specifically. Could the Big Ten be reversing course? Well, according to one individual, that's exactly what they may be doing. I'll tell you next. You're in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ.